that you are God and that you are all that we need. Lord, help us to, to thank you and love you as we ought. Father, I pray that now as we look at this strange passage, Lord, that you would help us to understand what you are saying to us today. Lord, open our hearts and our ears and our minds. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me, I pray. Amen. I wonder, can you, can you fire up that PowerPoint for us? Wayne? Don't worry, there's only one picture, one slide. Um, what shape is that? Circle? It, it is it's technically an arc, but isn't it a strange thing? When we look at something like that, straight away we think circle. Even though it's not a circle, it's broken, we think circle. Um, I don't understand the uh, physiology of human sight well enough, but I believe that there's actually reasons why we see circles the way our, our brains process images. But, but, but I, ha- I have a sneaking suspicion that it speaks to something innate about us. That we as human beings long for completeness, fulfillment. We long for the circle to be closed. We, we long for... Sorry, I have to laugh. I'm looking up. I'm seeing half the congregations going like this. <laughs> it is stinking hot this morning. We, we long for this sense of everything being brought to its proper conclusion, to its proper ending. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that something of that is what we find here in Leviticus chapter 3. We see the peace offering, which is also known as the fellowship offering or the well-being offering. Um, the word there that it derives from is the word shalom, the word for peace. And, and I think I've mentioned in the past that today we tend to think of peace as, uh, as a very dry sort of issue. We look at Libya and we say there is a country not at peace because they are fighting each other. We look at Australia and we say here is a country at peace because we are not fighting each other. We say that, that peace is an absence of conflict, which it's not. The the, the biblical definition of peace, the the biblical idea of shalom, which Leviticus 3 addresses, is, is so much wider than that. It's the concept of 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 well being. It's the concept of being at one. It's it's this idea of everything being good and complete, and together, and and you cannot add anything more to it to make it any better. And today, Leviticus is is really looking at the shalom, the peace between God and us, and between us and each other. And it speaks to that, that longing for everything to be right. Now this is the third week that we're looking at Leviticus chapter one, two, three today. And some of you might be sitting there going, ah, oh, not again. Come on, please, Nick. 
We've heard about the burnt sacrifice a couple of weeks back. Yes, we understand it. It's all about offering all that we have to God. It's, it's about dedicating our lives and our work and our everything to Him. Got it. Fine. And yes, we heard last week about the grain offerings. And, and we understand all about those as well, Nick. We, we, we understand how, how God is the one who provides for us and, and, and how we should be thankful to Him. We've got it, Nick. Why do we have to keep going on? And you know, if you're a careful reader, you'll have read through Leviticus chapter 3 uh, with Reg there, and, and maybe you thought back, oh, this sounds, this sounds very familiar to chapter 1. Bring the animal in, a cow or a sheep or a goat, take it into the, the tent of meeting, into the tabernacle, stand there, put your hand on its head, slit its throat, have a bowl underneath, catch the blood, uh, give it to the priest. Priest takes the blood. I love the New Living Translation, so much nicer than the NIV. NIV says that the priest sprinkles the blood on the altar. New Living Translation says the priest splatters the blood against the altar. It's literally what he's doing is shaking the bowl out. and, and you, It just sounds the same. What is the difference between what we read in chapter 3 of Leviticus and what we read in chapter 1 of Leviticus? We're killing the same animals. We're doing almost the same thing to them. Almost. There is a difference, of course, here in chapter 3. The whole animal is not put on the fire and consumed. Remember, chapter 1, the burnt offerings, everything of the animal is put on the altar and is consumed and turned to smoke until there's nothing left. So why are we looking at this again? I want to suggest to you this morning that that all of these different sacrifices and all of these different offerings that we find in the book of Leviticus mostly, they're like slices, snapshots, different perspectives on on who God is and on who we are in relation to God. You see, our our relationship to God is is more complex than to just say, well, we give all of ourselves to Him. Absolutely we do that, but it's more than that. And it's more complex than saying, well, I'm going to give all of my thanks to God because he, He has given me so much and has blessed me. And it is that, but it's more than that. Every single sacrifice points to another aspect of our relationship and dare I suggest, points to another aspect of who Jesus Christ is for us. And for me, the peace offering, the fellowship offering, the well-being offering of chapter 3 is one of the most beautiful and one of the most striking in terms of how it corresponds to us today and to what Jesus has done for us. Have a look at verse 1, chapter 3. If you present an animal from the herd as a peace offering to the Lord, maybe male or female, but it must have no defects. There's three types of animals that you're allowed to bring for the peace offering. You can bring a cow, male or female. You can bring a sheep, male or female. You can bring a goat.
But if you bring an animal, says the Lord, you have to make sure that this animal is the best of the best of the best. An animal without any defect. Remember in Malachi, I think it's Malachi chapter 1, God complains to the people and says, you you really expect me to accept your sacrifices when you bring me the lame and the blind and the sick. Says God, no. You try that on with with your human rulers. See what they'll say if you bring them uh, dodgy sacrifices. No, says God in Leviticus chapter 3, I want you to bring me your best so that there will be peace between us. You see, peace between us and God is, is a costly thing. Peace between us and God is not something that we can take lightly and say, well, isn't it great? I've got peace with God. Let's go party. Peace with God, it it is great and we should party, but but man, oh man, does it come at a price. And we see here that, that it is at the price of blood. This animal which which the offerer lays their hand on, saying, this is my animal, saying, I stand with this animal, saying, this animal represents me, and I will sacrifice it, I will destroy it, I will kill it, I will pour out its blood as if it were my blood, so that I can have peace with God. So that I can be complete, so that, so that I can be whole, so that there can be well-being in the relationship between me and my Father. An expensive animal. Even more expensive, the blood of the animal splattered against the altar. We heard a few weeks ago Hebrews reminding us that the blood of animals and bulls and goats is not going to do squat to, to make us right with God. Let's just think about this. When they've slaughtered this animal, and they've drained its blood. Kind of gross, isn't it? I'm so glad we don't live in those times. They would, this is the thing we've got to remember. The person whose animal was slaughtered didn't take the blood themselves and splatter it against the altar and say, God, here is my life. They gave it to a, a priest, they gave it to a mediator. And this priest is the one who presented this the sacrifice to God and said, God, here is the, the, the cost of, of being your friend. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks back, but, but isn't it wonderful to know that we have a great high priest and a perfect mediator who alone stands before God and says, God, I, I'm, I'm here on behalf of Nicholas. I'm, I'm here on behalf of you and you and you and you. And I'm here to say, Lord, let there be peace between you and these people. Between you and these people who, who have poured out 
symbolically their own blood, their, their very selves, because they long to be in a right, good, happy, joyful relationship with you. And isn't it even more wonderful that, that it's not just the blood of, of bulls and goats and sheep, but, but actually the blood of Christ Himself. Not splattered against the altar, but, but pouring down the cross. You know, I love the story of Cain and Abel. won't go into it now, but, but one of the things that we hear there is that the blood of Abel cries out to God for justice. How much more the blood of Jesus Christ cries out to God for peace. I mean, isn't that amazing? It's not Christ's blood poured out and saying, destroy these evildoers. It's Christ pouring out His blood saying, now God, let there be peace between you and them. Let there be fellowship between you and them. Let there be communion between you and these people who have identified with me, who have put their their hands, their lives, their selves with me. Let there be peace. Colossians 120. Let me just turn over to you. Great verse, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians 120 says um, that Jesus Christ made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. God made peace with everything on heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Referencing back to Leviticus where where the blood is poured out so that there could be peace, well-being, wholeness. But you know, I'm, I'm glad... I'm so glad that that when Moses wrote Leviticus down and and God said, this is the order I want you to to put this down in. I'm so glad that he put Leviticus chapter 1 first. Have a look at at Leviticus chapter 3, verse 5. What does it say? Aaron's sons will burn these things, basically the fat and the stuff around the organs and the kidneys. Uh, Aaron's son will burn them on top of the burnt offering on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You see what God says there? He says, when you have brought this peace offering, this fellowship offering to me, uh, you'll destroy the animal, and then Aaron's sons will take the fatty bits and they'll put it on the altar. But not just on the altar by itself, but, but on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is burning there on the wood. And you're looking at me saying, what on earth has that got to do with the price of cheese in Switzerland? The burnt offering, if you remember back from chapter 1, is the the offering of atonement, of atonement. It's saying, God, here is the penalty that I must pay to be one with you. Here is the price that I must pay to to be identified with you, to be in covenant with you. Here here is me right with you, 
And, and, and then along comes chapter 3 and says, I want to be at peace, I want to be whole, I want to be complete with you, God. And, and it's put on top of the atonement. In other words, we cannot be at peace with God unless we are first right with God. We cannot have completeness in life, and, and life involves our, our spirit as well as everything else. We cannot have completeness and wholeness and well-being in life unless we are first right with God because it rests on top of that atonement that has been won for us by Jesus. Remember, every sacrifice in Leviticus points to Christ who atoned us by His blood on the cross, His body broken and laid out there for us. And having set us right with God, then says, I will bring peace between me, between God, and between you. And, and I don't know if, if you've ever stopped to think about that, but this is amazing stuff. You know, God could have said, right, I'm going to deal with your sins, but, but don't you dare come near me because I know what you've done. I've forgiven you, but ooh, I'm not going to trust you ever again. I really don't want to be your friend. And that would be atonement. That would be, I've paid the price. I've done the business. I've, I've sorted out your wrongdoings. But, but God doesn't stop there. God comes and says, no. Yes, I, I want to redeem you, but I want to redeem you so that we can be in fellowship with one another, so that we can be at peace with one another, so that you can be whole and complete. That's just wonderful news, isn't it? Amazing news. And here, Leviticus chapter 3, the people are coming and saying, God, we want Have a look at the things which they offer. Verse uh, 3, the priest uh, includes all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, the fat around them near the loins, uh, the long lobe of the liver or liver, or otherwise translated, the, the fatty covering over the liver. Uh, very similar if we read on there about the sheep and the goats. Uh, let me see if I get the right, name right. Caudum lachitatum, or something like that. It's the kind of sheep that they have uh, in the Middle East. Um, fascinating little sheep. Um, almost makes me laugh. They have this weird tail. You'll see in, in verses 6 to 11, it specifically says, right, you've got to offer the tail of this sheep to God and burn it on the altar. It, it's a lump of fat. They've got this extended big fat tail, um, typically about 7 kilograms worth of weight, just the tail. Um, although it can be 22 to 25 kilograms in weight of fat on the end of this tail. There, there's some stories of shepherds uh, like making a rudimentary cart and attaching it to the tail of their sheep so that the sheep can actually wander around the fields. I'd love to have seen that. I've still got the breed of sheep. Maybe they still do it. But, you know, like, like the kidneys, like the fatty bits from all of the other pla uh, plants, all of the other animals, these things, this tail, the liver, the fat, considered the delicacies of the animal. 
considered the best part of the animal. You go to any other culture in, in the ancient Near East and you say to them, Ooh, tell me about your sheep's tail and they'll give you 63,000 recipes on how to cook a good sheep's tail. This is the best. And what does God say? It's disgusting. I, I can't bear the thought of fat. But apparently they liked it. God says, I will have the best. And the people say, yes, we will give you the best, God, because you deserve nothing less than the best. What's this deal about the, the, the liver? It's quite interesting there as well that, that God says to them, right, put the liver on the altar, burn it there. I was fascinated to read that in the ancient Near East, there was this brand of magic arts, divination, that they quite commonly would, would take the liver <laughs> and they'd slice open the liver to tell the future and tell the fortunes and all sorts of things. And I think God's saying, right, <laughs> do you rely on me? Do you trust in me? Do you want to be complete in me? Okay. Put the liver on the altar. Put away these other means by which people say you can, you can live your life and tell the future and, and move forward. Put it on the altar and be complete in me and find meaning in me and, and find your hope in me and your joy in me. Put it on the altar, says God. That, that's all very well. But, and I was saying all these grandiose things about how Leviticus chapter 3, the, this, this peace offering, is, is really so close to, to us today. But come on, what's the deal? How's it connected? I think if we, if we want to find out how it's connected, we have to turn to chapter 7, verse 11, if you've got your Bibles there. Leviticus is interesting with these offerings because... Uh, chapters 1 through to the beginning of chapter 6, are all about the sacrifices from the point of view of us, of the congregation. And then from a, <clears throat> just into chapter 6 forwards, we look again at the same sacrifices, but this time God's speaking in terms of what the priests have to do. So we've got two angles on the same sacrifices, which themselves are angles on who God is, which itself shows us who Jesus Christ is. It's a very angular book, Leviticus. Let's have a look. Chapter 7, verse 11. Let me just read to you uh, quickly here. These are the instructions regarding the different kinds of peace offerings that may be presented to the Lord. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, the usual animal sacrifice must be accompanied by various kinds of bread without yeast, uh, blah, blah, blah. This peace offering... I can't say blah, blah, blah. Etc., 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 uh, this peace offering uh, of thanksgiving must be accompanied by loaves of bread made with yeast. Uh, one of each kind of bread must be presented as a gift to the Lord. Uh, next on, if you bring an offering to fulfill a vow or as a voluntary offering, the meat must be eaten on the same day the sacrifice is offered. Whatever is left over may be eaten on the second day. I won't read all of it there, but, but have a squiz through it. because We're not interested in all of those details right now. 
But the thing which I want us to, to pick up, it's actually hinted in, in about verse 11 of chapter 3. Um, over there, it is a special gift of food presented to the Lord. You see, this peace offering is different from every other offering in the Bible. Because this is an offering which is not only for God, and not only for God and the priests, the mediators, but, but it is for God, the priests, the mediators, and for the people to all share in. We're told uh, in Leviticus chapter, I think it's chapter 7, that the, the priest gets the right thigh and the right uh, breast of the animal. God gets the best bits. He gets the fatty tail and, and the fatty organs on the altar. But the rest of the meat goes to the people. And they sit down together and they share a meal together. Now, I'm hoping you're already picking up where I'm going on this, but, but isn't that just so symbolic of the fact that we are united? Here we have the people saying, God, I want to be at peace with you, and the outcome of the sacrifice is sharing a meal with God and each other. I mean, isn't that just a potent symbol of being at peace with one another? You typically don't go and, and have a meal with your enemies. That's, I, I haven't confirmed that this is folklore family history for me, but um, one branch of the family way back in Scottish times invited their enemies over for a meal while they were praying, they chopped off their heads. <laughs> Untypical. And they bowed their heads because they thought, if we are eating together, we are at peace. We are at one. There is a unity amongst us. And that's what, that's what the outcome of the, the peace offering is, a, a unity with God and with each other. Why might we do this? Well, chapter 7 gives us a few hints. Chapter 7, verse 12 says to us that, that maybe, maybe the people of Israel wanted to offer a, a peace offering just out of thanksgiving to God. To say to God, thank you so much for all that you have done for me. Thank you so much for my atonement. Thank you so much that you are the God who, who rescued us out of slavery in Egypt just a few months back. Thank you so much, God, that you are the one who, who has provided for me or, or you are the one who has kept my family safe or, or thank you so much, God, that you are the one who, who has uh, taken my brother home. I'm sorry, Eric, if I, I hope you don't mind me using you as an example. Uh, thank you so much that, that you are the one who has done these things for me. And because you have done this, I know that I am whole. So I will give a sacrifice of peace, of thanksgiving. Maybe, says chapter 7, verse 16, the Israelites would have made a, a, a peace sacrifice because they, they'd made a vow to God and, or a vow to somebody else. And, and this is their way of saying before God, this is me being totally honest. I will be at peace with God. I will be at peace with you. My word will stand. Maybe, maybe the peace offering was just a way of saying, God, 
I love you so, so much. And I just want to show you something to, to say how much you mean to me. You have done so much for me. Just, just randomly, Lord, let me just express my love towards you. Maybe, most importantly, the peace offering is a way of, of saying, God, you have done so much for me. Let me now remember that and come together with you and come together with, with others. Remember, if you read through chapter 7, one of the prescriptions of the peace offering is that the food has to be eaten that same day. Big animals as well. More than one person can eat. The, the point is that you're supposed to bring along whomsoever you can find. The only people who aren't allowed are those who are richly unclean, but, but anyone else, come in and share in this sacrifice to God. Together say, let us celebrate God's goodness. Let us celebrate the fact that we are brothers and sisters under God's rule. And we are at peace with one another because we are now at peace with Him. Let me finish by, by moving over to Romans chapter 5. If you get a chance, actually read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the, the bit about communion. And just take two pieces of paper and, and write down what Paul says about communion in 1 Corinthians 11 and write down what what we read in, in Leviticus 3 and, and 7. And you'll see that, that Paul is obviously drawing from it, but I'm not going to go down that line this morning. Romans chapter 5, another time when Paul, I think, draws from it. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us to this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Just four things which I want to draw out from that and which tie back to Leviticus chapter 3 and Leviticus chapter 7. First off, Paul says, We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God. We have what the ancient Israelites in the desert at Sinai wanted when they brought their peace offering. We have peace with God, wholeness with God, fellowship with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Remember uh, back in Leviticus, the peace offering goes on top of the atonement offering. We have peace because of what Jesus has done. We have peace because we have been redeemed. Says Paul, we have peace because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And, and secondly, says Paul, we have been brought into this place where we don't deserve to be. This is undeserved. And I think Leviticus is also the same thing. We, we do not deserve any of this. We do not deserve for God to accept our peace offerings and to say, right, I will be at peace with you. This is God's grace shown to us. This is God himself who says, I will provide the animals for your sacrifice. I will be the one who says, this is how you can be set right with me. It wasn't, it wasn't the Israelites who said, right, let's figure out a way which we can twist God's arm so that he'll smile on us. 
That's God coming down saying, I want to be at peace with you. This is what you must do to be at peace with me. It's not something we deserve. It is from God. It is from His grace and His goodness. Says Paul, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward. You know the peace offering for all the blood and the guts and, and the mess? That was a time of happiness and joy and celebration. It wasn't a somber, right, somebody passed me a chop. Let's be very serious about this. This is a sacrifice. This, this was, somebody passed me a chop. This is a wonderful God. He's so good to us and we are together here because God is there for us and he has made peace with us. Wow, this is brilliant. Pass me another chop. Pass me another drink of wine. Pass me a, a, a piece of bread. Leaven to unleavened, doesn't matter. I'll have both. This is a joyful occasion. We are at peace with God. I dare anyone to be at peace with God with, with a frown on their face. Somebody once said that, that the opposite of, of joy is not sorrow, it's unbelief. I like that. The opposite of joy is not sorrow, it's unbelief. Because if we believe in Christ, there is joy in abundance. What does Paul say? Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. Even when times get tough, just joy because we have peace with God now and forever. And that's the last thing that Paul does over there in chapter 5 of Romans. He says, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And I want to suggest to you that, that, that Paul is harking back to Leviticus chapter 3 with this, this meal where, where God and the priest, the mediator, standing for Jesus Christ himself and the people, all of us are, are together sharing this meal, is looking forward to the great day when we will share the wedding banquet, the wedding banquet of the king. And it's going to be glorious. And it's going to be fantastic. And, and then the peace, which even now is ours in part, will be, will be so abundant. And then that circle will be closed completely. And then all things will be made whole. And it's going to be brilliant. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be fantastic. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to slaughter a cow. We don't need to slaughter a sheep or a goat, fatty-tailed or otherwise. But what we do need to do is to come with that same attitude. And... and once again, just lay our hands on Jesus and say, I have been saved by you and I want to be at peace with you. And I want to be at peace with my brothers and sisters who belong to you. And next week as we celebrate communion, I want you to remember, He is our peace. He is our peace, the Prince of Peace, who through His blood has wrought peace between all things on heaven and on earth. God bless you. God put a smile on your face as you think of the joy of knowing Him. Amen.